say a little prayer. That wasn't an act of God. Wasn't it? Because it's showtime, folks. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch this weekend, Friday, September 24th through Sunday, September 26th. We're counting down the weekend's top five must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. Chris Pratt better start growing a mustache and brushing up on his plumbing skills. Nintendo announced the cast of Mario, its upcoming Super Mario Bros. film. Not to be confused with the infamous 1993 live-action flop, this is an animated movie focusing on everyone's favorite coin-gathering Italian plumbers. And if the recently revealed cast list is any indication, it's gonna be a wild time. Jurassic World's Pratt will voice the heroic Mario, with Charlie Day serving as the voice of Mario's beleaguered little brother Luigi. Queen's Gambit star Anya Taylor-Joy will play Princess Peach, joined by Jack Black as Bowser, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, and Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. Rounding out the cast are Fred Armisen, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Sebastian Maniscalco, along with surprise cameos from original Mario voice actor Charles Martinet. After the game-changing finale of The Blacklist Season 8, which saw the murder of series protagonist Liz Keen, the NBC thriller has taken another big leap in time. When the series returns next month for its Season 9 premiere, it will pick up two years after Keen's death, the network revealed Thursday. Viewers will quickly see just how big of an impact Keen's death had on the show's characters. The FBI task force dedicated to taking down the world's worst criminals will have disbanded, with many of them now living very different lives. For more on all of those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Now, don't space out, because we're kicking off this weekend's picks with number five, Foundation. After decades of failed attempts, Apple TV Plus and showrunner David S. Goyer are finally bringing Isaac Asimov's seminal sci-fi novels to the screen. There's a reason, though, that it hasn't been easy. The series tells a story taking place over 1,000 years ago in a galaxy ruled by a dynasty of emperor clones. When revolutionary Dr. Hari Seldon predicts the empire's impending destruction, he and a band of loyal followers attempt to assemble a foundation of knowledge so humans won't have to rebuild civilization from scratch. The problem is, those Emperor clones aren't too happy with Selden and his followers about that whole predicting their impending destruction thing. Here's a preview. You're familiar with my work, psychohistory? Every mathematician has read your theory. It's not a theory. It's the future of mankind expressed in numbers. And the Empire won't like the future I predict. History is littered with charlatans and false messiahs. We should kill them. We can murder the men, but what about the movement, brother? Martyrs tend to have a long half-life.
We realize there is a lot to take in here. Fortunately, there's a great cast anchoring all the heady ideas here, led by Jared Harris as Dr. Selden and Lee Pace having the time of his life as the Emperor Clone Brother Day. And that's the last time you'll hear the phrase Emperor Clone on today's show. You can stream the first two episodes of Foundation on Apple TV Plus now. Now let's raise the curtain on our number four pick, the Tony Awards. Yep, nearly a year after the nominations were announced and more than two years after the last ceremony, it's finally time to honor the best of Broadway once again as New York's theater industry finally begins to welcome audiences back. Audra McDonald will host a two-hour award ceremony on Paramount+, Plus, followed by a two-hour special on CBS called Broadway's Back, featuring performances from the best musical nominees and some of Broadway's biggest stars. There's a lot to unpack here, so we've enlisted EW's biggest theater fan and digital features editor, Jessica Dershowitz, to help break it all down. Hey, Jess, how are you? Hey, I'm Jared. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. You can't see me, but I've got on, like, my tap shoes, my top hat. I'm ready for the Tonys. I thought about doing this all as song and dance, but eh, takes too much time, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's been more than two years since we've had the last Tony Awards. So it definitely requires all the pomp and circumstance that we can pull out for it. Absolutely, absolutely. So speaking of, it's been two years, which is just wild. So let's, I guess really we kind of need to back up and and explain because this is a really uh, special, unique situation like for so many award shows in the past couple of years, but especially so for the Tonys. Yeah, sure. So this is a, a very strange uh year for the Tonys, as you said, uh, very unique in a lot of different ways. Uh, so the way that theatrical seasons work, if people don't know, is it's from spring of one year through spring of the next year. So this year's Tonys will honor the fall 2019 through spring 2020 season, which then got cut short midway through because of the pandemic. Uh, theaters shut down in March of 2020. And I think there was something like 16 shows that were in previews or going to start previews and did not get a chance to open and therefore were not eligible for these awards. So it is a much smaller roster than normal. There's still a lot of great shows that are up for awards and deserve, you know, the recognition that we will get to give them now. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk about some of the big nominees. Uh, Jagged Little Pill uh, is one that I know so many people are excited about and for good reason, uh, because it came away with a lot of nominations. Tell us about that one. Yeah, yeah, of course. So that had the most nominations out of any of the shows this year. It got 15 nominations, including Best Musical. It is a jukebox musical, as you can guess, uh, with the songs of Alanis Morissette, not just from Jagged Little Pill, but a lot of the songs in the show are from that, you know, seminal, iconic album. Mm -hmm. It is not a biomusical, though. It is not about her life. It sort of imagines the life of this, you know, on the outside picture perfect family that has a lot of like inner demons that mm. the show uh, explores. So that has a lot of awards um, and uh, was a show that I, I really enjoyed when I got to see it. Right behind that with 14 nominations is Moulin Rouge, the musical, yes. which is just, I mean, obviously this is like made for the stage. It is so much fun and it is truly, you know, the song in there, Spectacular, Spectacular. Uh -huh. This is a 
full-on spectacle. It is a jukebox musical. Like, all, a lot of the songs in it are, there are some from the movie, and then there are, I think there's something like 70 songs in it in total, like, wow. mashed up together in snippets of things. But it's, like, Rolling Stones are in there, and Katy Perry, and beyond. Like, it's just, there's just so much fun in that. And the things from that one that I am most interested to see on Sunday are if Denny Burstein, who plays Harold Zidler, gets a get finally gets his Tony win. He's mm. been nominated, I think, something like six times before. This might be, like, his seventh Tony nomination, but he's never won. Mm. Also, interestingly, because of the circumstances of this season, there is only one nominee for leading actor in a musical, and it is Aaron <laughs> yeah. Tveit for playing Christian in this show. So he is competing against himself. But interestingly, though, he still has to get 60% of the vote, right? Yes. He Voters not, still he have not, to click his name. He does not win by default. You are correct. He, ne he still needs to get a majority of the vote to win. But he is very, very good in the show. So I, I, I would be incredibly shocked if he does not walk away with a Tony. What a weird moment on Sunday if they open the envelope and it's like, sorry, dude, you didn't get 60% of the vote. Oh my gosh. That will be uh, a moment. Also worth noting, by the way, Jess, the best performance by an actor in a leading role in a play. Can we talk about some of the nominees here? You mean what I've been calling the handsomest category at the Tony Awards? <laughs> yes, we can definitely talk about it. Accurate. Uh, so, feature, uh, leading role, actor in a play, uh, nominees include Jake Gyllenhaal for Seawall, A Life, uh, where he's nominated with his co-star Tom Sturridge. It's two one-person plays, so like Tom Sturridge does a monologue, Jake Gyllenhaal does a monologue. They were both incredibly good in it. Uh, and then the category also has Tom Hiddleston for his Broadway debut in yeah. a revival of um, Betrayal in which he was also absolutely fantastic. So, and, and this also has Blair Underwood for Soldier's Play, Andrew Burnap, who is so great yeah. in The Inheritance, and Ian Barford for Linda Vista, but it is a, a very good looking category, let's say. So everyone <laughs> there is a winner, even without winning. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, well, I cannot wait. The uh, The lights will be on. The curtain will be up starting at 7 o'clock Eastern on Sunday on Paramount Plus is where you can watch the Tonys. The Tony Awards present Broadway's back. That uh, special presentation is then on CBS starting at 9 o'clock. A lot to look forward to. Thanks so much, Jess. Thank you. I'm really excited. It's trivia time. Here's a bit of recent pop culture history for you. When the Tony Awards were pushed back from their original June 2020 air date, CBS aired a sing-along version of what movie musical in their place? Was it Grease, The Greatest Showman, or Footloose? Stick around for the answer. Now let's fly to our number three pick for this weekend, The Starling. Melissa McCarthy stars in this dramedy as a woman named Lily who's still sorting through her grief after the death of her infant daughter. While her husband Jack, played by Chris O'Dowd, recovers in a mental health facility, Lily tries to manage her feelings by seeking out a prickly therapist-turned-vet, selling every piece of furniture in her home, and also tangling with a renegade bird who seems hell-bent on driving her out of her home. Do we smell a metaphor? Hmm, here's a bit of the trailer. I've gotten a referral at New Horizons. My husband is there. I left the mental health field 10 years ago. Become a vet? Mm. Isn't that kind of weird? I just don't do this sort of thing anymore. No offense, but you can kind of tell. 
Bird obviously thought you were a threat. I am now. Get the hell out of here! Go! Are you familiar with stage three of the grieving process? Ah! It's anger. Comes after that. Depression. Great. I can't wait. You know, it is not every movie that has a complex depiction of grief and Melissa McCarthy donning a football helmet to skirt dive bombs from a bird. You can find The Starling roosting on Netflix right now. Stay tuned. Our top two picks are coming up and our soundbite of the week is up next. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. With the fall TV season ramping up, there's so much to watch that we haven't been able to include everything over the past week, such as The Connors, which returned on Wednesday with a live season premiere. But there was one line in particular we just had to include as our soundbite of the week. Darlene is on the couch checking out a documentary about Einstein and religion when her dad walks in and says, What you watching? That's it. That's the soundbite. What more could you ask for? It's perfect. You can catch new episodes of The Connors Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on ABC. And on that note... Anyone out there who loves a good old-fashioned Western should check out the new movie Apache Junction, now playing in select theaters and on digital and VOD. Or, if you love behind-the-scenes stories, does the movie star Scout Taylor Compton have a recommendation for you? The actress recently spoke to EW to answer the eternal question, what you watching? I am obsessed right now with a limited series on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. There's two seasons. The first season is behind the scenes of classic Christmas movies. And the second season is behind the scenes of like classic movies that people have grown up with, um, like Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, Dirty Dancing, which is my favorite. And I mean, when I was a kid, when I would get a DVD, I would automatically go to the second disc because it had deleted scenes, it had the making of, it had cast interviews, and I wanted to know all of the behind the scenes stuff. And that's kind of what this show is. So I've binged it. I absolutely love it. And it's some things that you know about, like online, but there's a lot of other information in these episodes about these movies that you grew up on that you had no idea, like um, not being made, like almost didn't get made or casting of other people before they got their original cast. You know, it's just, just, it's crazy the stuff that you learn on this and I'm absolutely obsessed. So if you like that kind of stuff that I do with filmmaking, I highly, highly recommend binge watching. 
If you are listening to this podcast, odds are you are also a pop culture obsessive who would very much enjoy the movies that made us. It's so good. As Taylor Compton said, you can stream that on Netflix. Number two. Now let's lay down the law with our number two pick, Amazon Prime Video's Goliath, back for its fourth and final season today. Billy Bob Thornton's Billy McBride is returning to his big law roots in this final run of episodes, taking on perhaps the Goliath of all Goliaths, the opioid industry. As Billy deals with his own chronic pain, he and Patty will put everything on the line to face down a world where money can buy anything, even justice. The season features J.K. Simmons as George Zacks, the head of a family-owned and operated pharmaceutical company who makes quite an entrance with a Broadway-style song and dance in episode two. Here's a bit of that. They call me the... Gotta say, audio alone really does not do that sequence justice. You gotta check out the full clip at EW.com. Of course, this being Goliath's final season, the end of this case will also bring an ending for Billy. I recently spoke to Thornton about what we can expect for his character as the series wraps up. I mean, you're dealing with a guy who had a, you know, a near-death experience. Uh, I think getting that second shot there or another one of his nine lives or whatever. I think he just wanted to figure out who he really is, you know. And it's funny, on the on the final season, he starts to try to learn who he is and what he wants. He doesn't need money. He's made a lot of money off the cases in the other seasons and a lot of money off of this one. So I think he just needs to know who he is and develop a relationship with his daughter that he always longed for but didn't quite have because he, you know, he was there for her, but he was still not there in other ways, you know. And uh, I think uh, I think maybe this case, more than any other, he saw the personal sort of nature of this case. This was about people killing people legally. And that, I think, really gets into him. One last case for the road, as it were. You can stream the final season of Goliath on Amazon Prime Video now. And now, let's officially kick off spooky season with our number one pick, Midnight Mass. The Haunting of Hill House creator Mike Flanagan is back with a new chilling tale at Netflix. This one's set in a small, isolated island community and grappling with questions of faith and addiction. Zach Guilford stars as Riley, a young man who spends four years in prison for killing someone in a drunk driving crash. Forced to live with his Christian parents on the remote Crockett Island, his return home coincides with the arrival of a mysterious priest, Father Paul, played by Hamish Linklater. The Padre's presence coincides with unexplained and seemingly miraculous events, and a renewed religious fervor soon takes hold of the community. And, well, we can't say much more than that without spoiling some of the show's many twists and turns. Here's a preview, though. I know you struggled with what happened. With what I did. Yes, with what you did. But help is here. 
Good morning. I know I'm not who you expected to see. Just know I'm only here to help, and I look forward to meeting you all. So tell me when you're gonna let me in. I'm a pretty rational guy. Something's happening here. It's safe to say this has the potential to be your next obsessive binge. Flanagan has also been obsessed with this show for a while. As he told EW's Nick Romano, he was toying with the idea for Midnight Mass for years before writing it as a TV show, and it lingered in development for several more years before finally getting to the screen. Here's Flanagan on why the idea had such a hold on him and why it's his most personal project yet. This is one of those stories where it wasn't so much about summoning the courage to to face it. I don't know how long I could have gone without writing it. There's a very natural thing that happens where if you're writing anything that kind of tiptoes into a personal place, you find yourself vomiting up all sorts of things into it. It happened with Hill House in a pretty Mm -hmm. big way. It happened with Bly. You know, some of that's inevitable. This one, though, was, was the story I always wanted to tell. And I think what made it more challenging than my other writing work is that all of the characters in this particular show represent different parts of me that are in conversation with each other and that are often in disagreement with each other. And um, one of the reasons I think this wouldn't have worked in 2014 is I wasn't sober then. Um, my feelings about religion were much more kind of in, in Riley's perspective back then, uh, where they're much more in Aaron's perspective for me today. I don't think I had had enough of the internal conversations back then to really be able to, to dive into the story properly. And I could write about alcoholism, but I couldn't write about sobriety um, in 2014, not, not intelligently. You know, sometimes the best things take time. But you can finally watch Midnight Mass on Netflix now. And finally this weekend, the answer to our trivia question. When the Tony Awards were pushed back from their June 2020 air date, CBS aired a sing-along version of what movie musical in their place? Grease, The Greatest Showman, or Footloose? The answer... And the word is Grease. The film aired as part of CBS's Sunday night movie lineup during the great network TV drought of 2020. That's our show for this weekend. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you on Monday, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior TV editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. What to Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly Usden.